This is Andrew Lindy, the writer of this month's episode of Pick Your Path, entitled Time Waits for Norman. This is episode 5.5, where the choices will be made for you, and the ending you will receive is what I consider the best ending. This ending gives a satisfying conclusion to your adventure. To listen to this episode with choices, check out episode 5. Coming up on October 1st, you'll be able to listen to the final episode of season 1, The Secret of Mulligan Cove, written by David King. Our theme song was created by Christopher Wrigley, and you can commission custom jingles from his company, Bunhouse Jingles, at customjingles.net. Our fantastic logo was done by Wayne Jansen, and you can find more of his art at waynejansenart.com. Pick Your Path is narrated by Matt Hawley and produced and edited by Matt Benson. You can follow the show on Twitter at PickYourPod and find every episode on BenviewNetwork.com. Chapter 1. You sit up in your bed. The room is on fire. You look around to take stock of what's going on. You're in your parents' house, which seems unusual. And you've got to get out of this burning building. You could jump out of the window. You have this odd feeling like you'll be fine if you do. Maybe you could run fast through the flames and not be burnt if you just run downstairs and out the front door. To jump out the window, skip to chapter 2. To run downstairs, skip to chapter 3. Chapter 2. You run as fast as you can towards the window. Your feet are heavy like you're running through quicksand. A shrouded figure appears to your right and hands you a small bag of anti-quicksand powder. You throw the powder at your feet and hit the window hard. You fall to the ground in slow motion. As you fall, you look over to your neighbor's house and notice many items displayed on their lawn. Somehow your eyes focus on a watch. It's an old timepiece with a panda in the middle of it displaying the time with its arms. At that moment, you hear a female voice speak to you. Find me. Protect me. You then hit the ground. Skip to chapter 4. Chapter 4. You sit up in your bed. It was just a dream. Definitely one of your stranger ones. You look around and assess your current living situation. You're home from college for the summer, back in your old room. You look around at the posters that defined your high school years. Meister Shark, a kid's cartoon that you and your friends quoted incessantly, and Sam McChesterfield, supernatural teen who saved the world. You look out your window in the second story and see hustle and bustle in the street. That's right, it's the yearly neighborhood yard sale. Normally it's just neighbors bartering for each other's stuff, but every once in a while you find a true gem. You'll have to check it out. Honey, breakfast, your mother calls. You dress and head downstairs. It's always so nice to have you home, dear, your mother says. By the way, could you walk the dog this morning? I have to help your father with the yard sale, and we're going to want you to help clean up the backyard later today, too. You mumble agreement and sit down to your bacon and eggs. 
After finishing your breakfast, you realize if you walk the dog before checking out the cell, you might miss out on some early finds. But, if you walk the dog first, you might be able to get a better deal on items that your neighbors want to get rid of. Either way, you are definitely checking out the art cell. To go to the cell first, skip to chapter 5. To walk your dog first, skip to chapter 22. Chapter 22 Snooter! You call out to your dog. You named him after the dog in your favorite book series from middle school. The Mysteries of Sam McChesterfield. You take him past your parents, bartering in the front yard. Dear, I didn't want to get rid of this Blurry Braids album. You hear your father say. Seriously, you don't even have a working record player, your mother says. Snooter takes his time finding a place to do his business. You take him around the block and he finally stops. You clean up after him and head back home. It's still too early to catch the end of sale deals. You could do your chores in the backyard first to get those out of the way. Or you could check out the sales now. To do your yard work now, skip to chapter 23. To check the sales now, skip to chapter 24. Chapter 23 Your mom wants you to rake up all the leaves in the backyard and clean out the grill. Since it's summer, eventually your dad will try his hand at barbecuing. Each of the houses in the neighborhood have a small backyard that is separated from the others by a wooden fence. The fences are high enough that you have privacy, but you can still tell if your neighbors are back there. You pull on the gardening gloves and get to work with the rake. From next door, you hear the back door slam. The sound comes from Norman and Beverly's house. They've lived next door to you since you were in grade school. You hear Norman grumbling and pacing in his backyard. Then you hear him talking very distinctly, but softly to someone. Come on, you always seem to appear when I'm alone. You've got to tell me what to do. I know I screwed up, but I can get the watch back. He seems to be pleading. You look over the fence carefully and see no one there. You turn back to your yard work and see a hooded figure standing across your yard. The words, find me, protect me, enter and leave your mind as if spoken only to you. You remember these as the words from your dream. And Norman was talking about a watch, which was also in your dream. The hooded figure fades away and you are left alone again. This means something. You could try talking to Norman. Something strange seems to be happening to him as well. Or you could investigate the spot where the hooded figure was standing. There could be a clue. To talk to Norman, skip to chapter 25. To investigate the spot where the hooded figure stood, skip to chapter 26. Chapter 25 Hey Norman! You call over the fence. He looks over at you, his face in a panic. Oh, uh, hey there, kiddo. He covers his worried tone. I thought you were back for the summer. Yeah, I am. You abruptly change topics. I know this may sound strange, but I heard you talking over there and I think I should tell you something. You describe your dream and the hooded figure you just saw. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Maybe you were supposed to have the watch next. He says with awe. Uh, supposed to? You ask. I think the watch is tied to the figure, and whoever has the watch can keep the figure safe. Based on what's happened to me when I had the watch, this one is Mother Time, he says. Mother Time? Norman has always been a straight shooter, but now he's talking in riddles. Yeah, you know, like Father Time, except this one is a lady. She's a hooded figure. She only appeared to me because I had the watch. If you could see her, the watch was meant for you. In the wrong hands, well, I don't want to think about what someone can do with it. 
that could almost control all of time. Norman looks at you poignantly. I know this sounds strange, but you have to get the watch back. Bev sold it to your neighbor over there. Her name is Miss Benedict. Never got a first name. She only moved here a few months ago, and I never liked the look of her. This all sounds like an adventure for Sam McChesterfield. Except that, unlike you, Sam was trained for this kind of thing. But you have something better. You know all of Sam's training, and what Sam does to beat the evil guys. You've got to get the watch back and save all of time. Skip to chapter 28. Chapter 28. Maybe Miss Benedict doesn't know what the watch does. If you can talk to her, maybe you can convince her to sell it to you. Sixteen dollars sounds about right. You approach the old house. There's a knocker. It's a braying horse, and with a horseshoe underneath it. You don't remember this being here when the McBrawleys lived next door. You raise and lower the horseshoe three times. A voice from inside responds, No solicitors. Oh, um, I'm not selling anything. You respond, I'm here about something you bought at the yard sale. You hear silence in response. Then the door opens. Miss Benedict is a tall woman. You'd guess her to be older than you, but younger than your mom. She has dark hair and dark eyes. Yes? She asks. I'm sorry, miss, but I was talking to my neighbor and he told me that you bought a watch from him today. Now, I know you may not care, but I had my eye on that watch and I was hoping to buy it from him. Since you got there first, I'd like to ask if I could buy it from you. You hope your intentions seem earnest. You feel as if she's staring into your soul. Come in, please. She reaches up to touch her necklace as you pass by and enter the living room. She gestures that you sit in a wooden chair. Would you like something to drink? You accept and she returns from the kitchen with two coffee cups. She sits in silence looking at you between sips. I'm not sure how much you were expecting for the watch. You begin to explain. She cuts you off. Oh, never mind the money now. Before we talk numbers, I want to know why you want that watch. She sets the cup down and holds her hands on her lap. Well, uh, I'm a big B fan of BVN. I'd heard that this watch was is uh, part of a set and I've already gotten some of the others. You lie quickly. Sure you like Maestro Shard, but BVN has had some strange shows over the years. Hmm. She replies. I don't think you're telling the truth. Most people who seek this watch are after it for another reason. I've had to deal with a few of them before, and none of them were honest with me. I'll give you another shot. And if I don't like what I hear, you will leave. If you tell Miss Benedict about your dream, skip to chapter 33. If you lie again, skip to chapter 34. Chapter 33 Alright, here's why I really want the watch. You explain your dream and what Norman told you. You hope that honesty is the best policy and that Miss Benedict will see the importance of the watch. As you explain, her face doesn't change. She doesn't react as if this is new information. I'm surprised you caved so easily. Most of the others only gave me bits and pieces to go off of. Do you even understand what someone could do with this? She pulls the watch out of her pocket. Time is so precious, and we have never had it under our grasp. Even Einstein could only dream of light speed and how it would affect humans. With this watch, I could... 
She trails off. Well, I will reshape the history of the human race. You don't like what you're hearing. This woman is clearly insane, and you need to get that watch away from her at once. You move to stand. Ah, ah, ah. You will stay right there. I have not come this far to be stopped by the likes of you. She commands. You've got to think fast. What would Sam McChesterfield do? You've got to analyze the situation and figure out a weakness. In your present state, you can't fight the woman, but you can distract her. That might allow you to grab the watch. But how to distract her? You could keep her talking. She might lower her guard if she trusts you. Or you could throw your drink at her. She could drop the watch to defend herself. To keep Miss Benedict talking about her insane plans, skip to chapter 35. To throw your drink at Miss Benedict, skip to chapter 36. Chapter 35 What do you mean, reshape human history? You try to sound genuinely intrigued. I'm not certain if you're fully aware of what this watch is. But let me explain it simply. For us, time is a concept. It is incorporeal. But for as long as time has existed, so it has a vessel to hold time. To make time corporeal, I was born into a family that was taught this concept from childhood. Miss Benedict turns her back to you. You take this chance to pull out your phone and start recording everything she says. If she says anything incriminating, however crazy it might sound, you want to have proof. But you, you seem to have been chosen at the random. Miss Benedict turns back suddenly and you shove the phone in your pocket, still recording. My whole life's work is to search for an object such as this watch. Now I get to control them, in whatever capacity that means. I can't let you, as chosen as you are, take this away from me. If I can figure out how the watch works, how to command time as if it were my pet, then I can go back and make sure you were never born. Why would you go back in time and stop me from being born? You ask. So you wouldn't be bothering me now. As it stands, I'm going to have to find a way to get rid of you. I thought I could peacefully take that watch from the old man. It took me a year to track it here. Now I have to get my hands dirty yet again. I have had so many snooping wannabes that think they can best me. Each one of them has fallen at my hands, literally. It was so amusing to see those idiot law enforcement officers scratch their heads when they discovered the bodies, looking like they'd simply passed out and never got up again. But if that's the cost of creating the new world, then so be it. Miss Benedict then turns to you with a malicious grin. Whatever she was about to do next is interrupted by a knock at the door. Don't you dare move. Miss Benedict hisses at you as she goes to answer the door. You could use this time to escape out the back door. But if Miss Benedict catches you, it could be the end. Maybe you could wait and see who's at the door. To escape out the back way, skip to chapter 43. To wait and see who was knocking, skip to chapter 44. Chapter 43. As soon as her hand is turning the doorknob, you're making tracks out the back way. Stop! Arrgh. She shouts, but can't catch you. You jump over the fence to your house next door. You can hear her clamoring to climb over but falling on the other side. You run through your house and back to the front again. There you see that Norman was the one who was knocking. He hurries over to where you are. Uh, do you have it? He asks. You shake your head. You both look back and see Miss Benedict look outside her door. 
She notices the crowd is still gathering, looking at items for sale. She can't do anything about you now. Did she do anything or say anything? Norman asks. You remember, you recorded her threats to you. This should be enough to get her at least investigated by the police. You and Norman head down to the police station to play the evidence. Several detectives are interested, as they've had suspicious deaths where the victim passes out cold with no prior medical problems. That night, they pick her up and take her down to jail. After all the proceedings, Miss Benedict is found to be insane and will be held at an asylum outside of town. After she's gone, you find a strange package in the mail for you. It's the watch. Somehow it got sent to you even after it was part of police evidence. The next week you have to go back to your dorm to prepare for the new semester. You make sure to let Norman know that you've got the watch and everything is going to be okay. Uh, you're the new guardian now. Keep it safe. You know, I think there are other items out there. Maybe you should try to find them too. The idea intrigues you, but that sounds like another adventure for another time. This path ends here. To pick another path, return to Chapter 1. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.